guys, welcome back to my podcast. My name is Chloe and my prayer is that God will speak through me and directly to you over whatever it may be that you're facing in this moment. I hope this will connect with you on a spiritual, personal level and that you experience God and His presence in our time together. I upload an episode every week on Wednesdays, so to stay up to date, follow my Instagram at legitchloe, C-H-L-O-E-E, or you can find my handle in the description box below. Also, make sure you follow my podcast on whichever platform you're listening on so you can be notified whenever a new episode is uploaded. Before digging into God's Word today, get yourself a treat and something to drink and join me in 1 Samuel chapter 16. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this time that we're able to get together and and just dig into your word. Father, I pray that you prepare the listener's heart for what you want to speak to them and, and the word you have for them today. Father, I pray that as I speak these words, that they won't be mine, but they will be yours, and that you will just meet the person where they need to be met today in this moment. Father, bless us in our time together and go before us. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to begin today's reading in verse 1. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. But Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears about it, he will kill me. The Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one I indicate. Samuel did what the Lord said. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him. They asked, Do you come in peace? Samuel replied, Yes, in peace. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, The Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then had Shema pass by, but Samuel said, Nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, The Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, Are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse answered. He is tending the sheep. Samuel said, Send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him and had him brought in. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, Rise and anoint him. He is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Samuel went to Ramah. We'll stop there for a moment and pick up our reading in chapter 17. If you haven't caught on yet, Our sixth episode for this podcast series, spoiler alert, the answer is yes. We are directing our focus on David. I'm sure you've heard of him. In these verses, we see how it all started for David. God sent Samuel to find someone to replace Saul. We are told back in chapter 15, verse 11, that God regretted making Saul king because he did not obey God's instruction. So we find Samuel obeying God's instruction to seek out a new king. And this is where we find David. He was out tending sheep. 
He wasn't doing anything grand. He wasn't racing cars. He wasn't modeling for Vogue. He wasn't even just chilling on the porch with a lemonade. He was out working. God had positioned him in a place of preparation. Even though he wasn't working the most exciting job, God had placed him there for a reason. To grow, to prepare, to become stronger. God had something greater in mind for David, but he had to first prepare him out in the field. David couldn't receive what God really had for him unless he took these beginning crucial steps. Let's continue today's reading in chapter 17. I'll begin in verse 1. Now the Philistines gathered their forces for war and assembled at Soko in Judah. They pitched camp at Ephstamim between Soka and Azekah. Paul and the Israelites assembled and camped in the valley of Allah and drew up their battle line to meet the Philistines. The Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another, with the valley between them. A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits in a span. He had a bronze helmet on his he had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale armor of bronze weighing five thousand shekels. On his legs he wore bronze greaves and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod, and its iron point weighed 600 shekels. His shield bearer went ahead of him. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine, and are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistines said, This day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. Now David was the son of an Ephrathite named Jesse, who was from Bethlehem in Judah. Jesse had eight sons, and in Saul's time he was very old. Jesse's three oldest sons had followed Saul to war. The firstborn was Eliab, the second Abinadab, and the third Shema. David was the youngest. The three oldest followed Saul, but David went back and forth from Saul to tend his father's sheep at Bethlehem. For forty days the Philistine came forward every morning and evening and took his stand. Now Jesse said to his son David, Take this ephah of roasted grain and these ten loaves of bread for your brothers and hurry to their camp. Take along these ten cheeses to the commander of their unit. See how your brothers are, and bring back some assurance from them. They are with Saul and all the men of Israel in the valley of Elah, fighting against the Philistines. Early in the morning, David left the flock in the care of a shepherd, loaded up, and set out, as Jesse had directed. He reached the camp as the army was going out to its battle positions, shouting their war cry. Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines, facing each other. David left his things with the keeper of supplies, ran to the battle lines, and asked his brothers how they were. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine, champion from Gath, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance, and David heard it. Whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from him in great fear. Now the Israelites had been saying, Do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him his daughter in marriage and will exempt his family from taxes in Israel. David asked the men standing near him, What will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? 
They repeated to him what they had been saying and told him, This is what will be done for the man who kills him. When Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and asked, Why have you come down here, and with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. Now what have I done, said David? Can't I even speak? He then turned away to someone else and brought up the same matter, and the men answered him as before. What David said was overheard and reported to Saul, and Saul sent for him. David said to Saul, Let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, You are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I am not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand approached the Philistine. Meanwhile, the Philistine, with his shield-bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome, and he despised him. He said to David, Am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. David said to the Philistine, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead, and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. David ran and stood over him. He took hold of the Philistine's sword and drew it from the sheath. After he killed him, he cut off his head with the sword. When the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, they turned and ran. Then the men of Israel and Judah surged forward with a shout and pursued the Philistines to the entrance of Gath and to the gates of Ekron. Their dead were strewn along the Sharaim road to Gath and Ekron. When the Israelites returned from chasing the Philistines, they plundered their camp. David took the Philistines' head and brought it to Jerusalem. He put the Philistines' weapons in his own tent. 
As Saul watched David going out to meet the Philistine, he said to Abner, commander of the army, Abner, whose son is that young man? Abner replied, As surely as you live, your majesty, I don't know. The king said, Find out whose son this young man is. As soon as David returned from killing the Philistine, Abner took him and brought him before Saul, with David still holding the Philistine's head. Whose son are you, young man? Saul asked him. David said, I am the son of your servant, Jesse of Bethlehem. Famous story of David and Goliath. A story you probably know just as well as you know the back of your hand. We started today's episode reading about God choosing David and where he started, and we ended it by seeing how God placed David for such a time and such a purpose as this. We saw how God had a plan all along for David, and it started out in the field tending sheep. I don't know if you knew this, but a few months ago, I was given insight to understanding why David was so brave to face the seven-foot giant, Goliath. David wasn't intimidated by the man's height. Why? Because that was something he'd experienced back in the field as a shepherd. Whenever a predator would come attack the sheep, like a bear or a lion, on their hind legs, they are roughly just about the size of Goliath or a bit taller. All along, God was preparing David in the field for something greater on another field. Goliath was the same old giant David would face to defend the sheep. It's the same for us and our giants. God doesn't give us anything bigger than what we've been trained to handle and face. The situation, circumstance, whatever it may be, may look different, but you know how you can confront it and handle it. Last week, we talked on attacks and how the enemy really only attacks in one way. He isn't very clever, so once he sees something is working for him, he's going to overuse it. Which helps us because once we recognize his strategy, we can better confront what is happening and take it down. Just like it was important for David to start in the field and prepare for what God had for him in another, it's important to start in the area God is calling us to go so he can guide and direct us to the other area he has for us. We all go through seasons of preparation. God wants to use what we experience in life to prepare us to be ultimately used by Him in the way He intended for us. And it's through learning in those experiences that we can take another one with new perspective. It may look different every time, but it doesn't change the fact that you know how to handle it because you already went through something similar. Like I said, it's all about perspective. Let's say you haven't ridden a bike for years. It doesn't mean you suddenly forgot how to pedal and now need training wheels when you start riding again. No, you pick up from what you last learned, but it doesn't mean you know how to ride a bike with no hands or do tricks. Those things you may still have to learn, but that's the only difference. You already know how to pedal and stay centered and make turns and stop. But if you want to learn different tricks to do on the bike, you need to go through the experience. That's the same in our walk with Christ. We can pick up from where we last learned, no matter what may be coming our way, but we also need to be willing and give God our yes in learning the new thing He wants to teach us. Another thing I want to point out is, be careful of the voice you choose to listen to. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 29-37, it tells us that David's older brother basically tells him that he can't do anything about the problem at hand and he should just walk away and leave it be. But David countered back, stood up for himself, and when Saul questioned him, he was able to tell him that he has experienced something similar in the field tending sheep. And just like he could take care of what happened back there, he can take care of what's happening right in front of him right now. And he did. Again, the same goes for us. 
We need to be careful with whose voice we listen to, and remember that there is power in our voice too. There are two voices we can listen to, Satan's or God's. In case you haven't guessed, Satan is going to tell you to duck for cover, roll over, accept what's going on, cower in fear, tremble, be scared. But God is going to tell you that you are greater than this, and that, just like last time, you are going to get through this as long as you stand firm. And, like I said, there's power in your voice, too. Just like David spoke back and placed his brother in his place until saw exactly how it is, we can speak back and put Satan back in his place and tell him exactly how it is. I was listening to a morning devotional the other day, and they were talking on the power of your voice and how we are to use it. Something the person shared really stuck out to me and gave me a whole new perspective when it comes to using my own personal voice. We are created in God's likeness, right? Well, that includes everything, including His voice. Meaning this, just like in the beginning God spoke life, new creation, new perspective, we can do the same. Obviously not like Him because we're not God, but we have that same power in our voices. We have that same power in us. We can speak life, new perspective over our situation. That's how we can move forward with confidence and take down the giant we are facing. Not only that, but we can speak and put the devil back where he belongs and remind him who he is and who we are and who we belong to and that we're the last thing he should be messing with. We can either stay quiet, not say a word, or we can speak up and remind the devil and even ourselves who we really are, what we're really capable of, what we have been able to do in the past, what we are able to do now, and who we ultimately belong to. You are a child of God, and no attack, no flaming arrow, no situation, no circumstance can or ever will change that. Now the question is, how do we give God our yes in those ways? We've discussed giving him our yes by giving him our obedience to what he's called us to do and saying yes to being good enough, preparing for what he ultimately has for us and following his to-do list, doing the task he's given us, not giving into the world's commands, but what he commands for us, and giving him our yes and receiving the joy he wants to give us in the midst of our attacks. What more could there be, right? Wrong. I was giving this some thought, and I really do feel like we need to give him yes in the power of using our voice. Often we are too quiet and too scared to speak what needs to be said when facing our giants. Whether it's an insecurity, an addiction, shame, doubt, hate, having one foot in the world and one foot in God, not really knowing what to do, we are juggling too many things at once, and we are rolling over and accepting another giant to face in our lives. When, instead, we could use our voices to knock them down and make space for God to do what He really wants to do in our lives. There is so much power in your voice. You can choose whether or not you want to bring life or death into your life or someone else's life. You can use your voice to rebuke the enemy from having hold over any area of your life any longer than he already has. So give God your yes in using your voice to take down the giants you face every day. He doesn't want you to cower away and hide, but instead, he wants you to use your voice and shout, just like the Israelites did with the walls of Jericho. Let's do a little bit of reading. Joshua chapter 6 verses 1 through 21 says this, Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. 
Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram, of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout, then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up, everyone straight in. So Joshua, son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and have seven priests carry trumpets in front of it. And he ordered the army, Advance, march around the city with an armed guard going ahead of the Ark of the Lord. When Joshua had spoken to the people, the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets before the Lord went forward blowing their trumpets, and the Ark of the Lord's Covenant followed them. The armed guard marched ahead of the priests who blew the trumpets, and the rear guard followed the ark. All this time the trumpets were sounding. But Joshua had commanded the army, Do not give a war cry, do not raise your voices, do not say a word until the day I tell you to shout, then shout. So he had the ark of the Lord carried around the city, circling it once. Then the army returned to camp and spent the night there. Joshua got up early the next morning, and the priests took up the Ark of the Lord. The seven priests carrying the seven trumpets went forward, marching before the Ark of the Lord and blowing the trumpets. The armed men went ahead of him, and the rear guard followed the Ark of the Lord while the trumpets kept sounding. So on the second day, they marched around the city once and returned to camp. They did this for six days. On the seventh day, they got up at daybreak and marched around the city seven times in the same manner, except that on that day, they circled the city seven times. The seventh time around, when the priest sounded the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the army, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. The city and all that is in it are to be devoted to the Lord. Only Rahab the prostitute and all who are with her in her house shall be spared, because she had the spies we sent. But keep away from the devoted things so that you will not bring so so that you will not bring about your own destruction by taking any of them. Otherwise you will make the camp of Israel liable to destruction and bring trouble on it. All the silver and gold and the articles of bronze and iron are sacred to the Lord and must go into his treasury. When the trumpet sounded, the army shouted, and at the sound of the trumpet, when the men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. So everyone charged straight in, and they took the city. They devoted the city to the Lord, and destroyed with the sword every living thing in it, men and women, young and old, cattle, sheep, and donkeys. Don't let the enemy come into your camp, come into your city, and take away what is yours. Take away what you can do, make you feel less than, make you feel unworthy, make you feel shame, regret. Don't let him come in and take what is sacred to the Lord. Use your voice to sing praises to God. Also use your voice to stay quiet when he tells you to be still. And when he tells you to speak, shout and claim back what is yours and chase out anything and everything that doesn't belong there. Give God your yes and giving him your shout, giving him your voice.